Hi, my name's Brian, and like most of you, I'm staying at home during the pandemic. To pass the time, I decided to get some of my friends on the record about what they're cooking, how they're doing, and anything else that might be on their minds. Join me on What's Eating You. If you're a regular listener of this pod, you know that we've taken a short break since our last conversation. That's because for the foreseeable future, I'll be changing the intervals and sharing these episodes every two weeks. It'll be the same great content, just spaced out a little bit more. Take that time to make sure you catch up on past pods. For this conversation, we traveled up the coast from San Diego to Seattle, checking in with my man Leaps. Leaps has been hunkered down, but he's made time over quarantine to wade to the Capitol Hill's autonomous zone, the wild world of indoor gardening, and sharing with us a pragmatic spin on some left Twitter takes. This was a long convo and has been abridged for easier listening in one session. This meeting is being recorded. You see, this is this is some lawyer shit. Someone was just like, yo, you are definitely breaking a law in some states <laughs> recording this thing without people's knowledge. Well, welcome to the pod. My good brother uh, Leaps, as the, as the people have known him for many years, you chill out in Seattle, West Coast time. So you're the, you're the second back-to-back pods on across three time zones. Welcome. Yep. Thanks for having me, bro. So how, how are things over there where the sun hasn't set yet? You, you're living, living well in the times of Corona? Living good. I'm probably one of the few people who can say that their lives got significantly better uh, <laughs> by the virus. I stopped having to commute, which has given me like two extra hours in the day. Whoa. Yeah. And then, you know, summertime here in Seattle it's uh yeah really long days so it's just been good lots of lots of nature which is new for your boy <laughs> from the concrete jungle to the I don't know what what's out there what's the what's the geographical feature out west that, that you're taking Mount Rainier mm. so like on a clear day you get like a pretty good view of it from from my spot so you know living good I'd say and how close to the water are you because it's a, you know it's a coastal city right yeah um so there's just like all kinds of water in seattle it's like pretty much bordered by water on on all sides Hmm. so i could walk actually like down the block and be at computer town which is just pretty crazy especially coming from new york you know what i mean like (laughs) nothing nothing but buildings and now i'm like oh this is mad peaceful like people live like this all the time that's crazy body of water was what filled up a pothole uh Yeah, man. Let's go with you. Uh, doing all right. It's like you said. It's uh, the tailing end of summer. You know, the New Jersey humid. Uh, actually, we got hit by a hurricane uh, last week. It came up the coast, so that was not great. But in this area of New Jersey, you know, millions of people lost power. Luckily, I only lost power for about oh yeah two hours. But there are people who had lost it for two days or more, which was crazy to think about. Um, luckily, yeah. it wasn't super hot then, which would have been worse. But, you know, you think about those people and especially at a time when if you are working, right, you're probably working remotely in most cases. And, you know, the staple that Internet and power have become is pretty, you know, it's pretty revealing that, you know, knocked out half of uh, my workplace, at least. I know people had to reschedule large events and seminars because of losing Internet. And, you know, you don't on a day when it began with them sort of closing down the physical workplace. And saying, you know, work remotely as normal, you know, those essential people uh, got sent home early, but everyone else was like, work like normal. Well, until they lost power. And then suddenly, you know, like weird yeah. how, that, how that inverts, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that, actually. I like already forgot being so far removed from the East Coast. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I, so I thought about it um, like the next day when my mom sent me a photo of a tree laying on a house didn't say whether it was ours or not i'm like oh shit like (laughs) like i know they were talking about a hurricane coming through but you never really see it like you know knocking down houses you know Mm -hmm. stuff like that um but yeah no trees fell um on both houses next to my parents either side yeah which is crazy right it's just like yo um and they got stuck um like a few years ago in St. In St. Croix when I forget which hurricane it was, but knocked out power there. And it's just like, yeah, it really does change in an instant. You 
think about being able to just pick up the phone and call someone. And then one day it's just like, oh, line's dead. Yeah. I mean, um, well, that's what's crazy. You know, you know, obviously with the work stuff. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, like we're talking, the virus obviously has changed a lot of things, but in America, I think you start to take for granted, North America is the infrastructure, you know, the continuity. And you, you see even, you know, a year or so ago, what happened in, in Puerto Rico with they lost power and, you know, running generators and schools being closed and really crippled in a lot of ways because of that going down. And then in America, you know, New York, Jersey, they lost power for a couple of days and people are losing their minds. Like people are doing that yeah. for months in other places. And, and yeah. here we are so blessed. Uh, yeah, funny thing, actually. So when I first got out here, so I took a job to go work at the courts, which is, you know, government. And of course, this man Trump says he's going to shut down the government. So I'm like, <laughs> I just moved out here. I just signed a lease. And now you're telling me I might not get paid. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the funny thing I think about government is just, you don't see how much goes right. You know, like you only really talk about it when in the context of things going wrong mm-hmm. until it goes wrong. And then you see like, wow, we really do rely a lot on infrastructure and continuity and knowing what to do. And then you get a buffoon who comes through and <laughs> fucks up that whole thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the thing at the moment, there are so many things, but obviously of the moment is what's sort of been happening at the, the post office, right? The past several years and never mind how, what it is as an employer, what it is as like a civil institution. You know, the fact that it's being sort of intentionally slowed, stifled, disrupted, dismantled is not only you could see in the obviously in two months time, it could be a problem for mailing in ballots, but the way in which it functions on a day to day basis, people get their medicine, people, um, small businesses rely on it, right, because of the, the rates that are affordable and the fact that it can get something across the country. It used to be at least in three days, two, three days, which yeah. is crazy yeah. for pennies. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that it's a, become a political play thing, the damage is, the collateral damage is catastrophic. I mean, you'd think they'd say the same thing about public health. Apparently that's up for debate too. <laughs> Childcare, education, all these public goods, right? Like, I mean, that's- Crazy, crazy concepts. Yeah. The public good. It's like all the public stuff, all the risks need to be made for the public. All the gains need to be privatized. Right. And that's, yeah. that's a problem. I will say that here, though, um, one of the good things about having a lot of the nature is you really do see people come together to really try to preserve that part of it. So, yeah, while they're dismantling other things, it's like, you know, it's really whose pet project do you want to take care of? Mm. And so, you know, at least out here, I think the people who are from here really do appreciate the natural beauty. And so that's really something you see a lot of local politicians campaign on. I say, maybe you could talk a little about the vibe in, in, in that part of the, the country, the Pacific Northwest or Seattle specifically, either one, because like you said, the sort of East Coast sensibility, I know you lived in Chicago for a time, and the, you know, look at Chicago politics, and it, I, I'd be curious, what is it like, like, aside from things, I don't know, issues like rent, and maybe we'll talk about the sort of you know, free zone that's been established, but what are the political sensibilities and Seattle, like, what do people care about? What's the sort of vibe? What's the, what's the lean? Yeah, it's it's much more um, open, I would say, in, in their support, I think, for diversity, hmm. uh, which is, like, really interesting because Seattle's, like, mad white, you know? But, <laughs> so it's funny, like, we could just walk around. We, we started calling them muffin houses, houses that got, like, their Black Lives Matter signs. And, like, you could just go, like, a whole street block where it's weird if you don't have the sign, which is, it's really a sight to see. And really like getting out there, local politicians, you know, like there was a big standoff with like the Seattle police were out of control. And this is during the protest. Yeah. Like basically the whole thing was like, you know, there'd be like an organized march. I actually went to a couple of them and you know, everything's chill. And it was basically like, as soon as the sun went down, it was open season, you know, it's just like, and you could just sort of see like, you want to, you know, you believe whatever you want on TV, but actually being there was like, look, this was, this was fine. Like we went to chop and dude, it was like, (laughs) it was like a leftist Twitter hangout pretty much. Like everything's free. (laughs) 
mad people smoking weed, just hanging out, listening to music, uh, talking about ideas. I saw your picture. Uh, you, uh, there was a basketball, a freestanding basketball hoop out there. Yeah, yeah. People to, people to hoop. Yeah. So they're just like, yeah, we don't want money. Just bring, you know, bring supplies, bring, bring food. And like, you know, just the lack of presence of police. It was like, wow, you know, you could just sort of be free in this little zone, but, you know, it's only a matter of time before that shit got shut down. And it was like sort of exactly how I imagine it too. It's like, you know, they're going to say someone got shot or, you know, that's going to be the excuse to come through and basically shut it down. And that is what happened. But I will say that people were really, they wanted their local officials feel their you know, pain and, and, you know, they like would camp outside the police commissioner's house. She'd like just resign, you know? So, and this is weeks after the, the news has stopped covering it. So it's been persistent is what I would say, uh, which is good. You know, like for a long time, it's just like, yo, you pretty much, well, you'll get a lot of talk about it, but you're not going to get any action. And so that's been the, you know, the one, one good thing I'd said that's come out of all this is that people really have taken the gloves off on, on both sides, really, you know, sort of setting up for the, the showdown. Yeah. More, more direct action. Right. Like, I think, I think you're right. I think just the nature of the coronavirus sort of like stripping away a lot of other extraneous stuff. You can't be like, you know, I'd love to be down with the protest, but you know, my family's got a trip to Disneyland this weekend. So, <laughs> right. You know, like, no, it's like yeah, you're either going to be about that life or, yeah. or you're well, not. Even, well, even sports, right. The fact that sports sort of stopped. Right in right. the summer and even the way they are now like they're back on tv but there's not you can't i mean i don't know how far you look from the ballpark but that's a beautiful place to watch a game you can't even have that experience right which is so you know the opiate of the masses type of stuff that i think in a functioning society does widen uh or rather maybe even narrow people's ability or bandwidth to engage in those other things which like you said there's a cost there's a cost people will be like eh, I, if i do these things and i can't go to disney world or I, you know you there's a sacrifice that has to be made and until it seems like people things are getting bad until there's a match thrown on this on this <laughs> tinderbox people have been happy to let status quo happen that's quo. yeah no definitely i mean it's like you know i changed my twitter handle to like reckoning season because it's just like look time for talks over and it's put up or shut up time and you know i think you really are seeing that in the streets you really got to see and, you know, the great thing I was, you know, you and I were chopping it up before about the problems with technology. In this case, it was great because you could record exactly mm. how aggressive the police were getting and mm. instigating against people who weren't doing anything and not getting it through, you know, you know, your partisan news filter one way or the other. Yeah, I, I do love how the how the counterpunch, because there's all it's, it's an interesting sort of dance, you know, I guess all these things are moves and counter moves, but the, you said these things are on TV and then what is the police's response to show images of the weapons they've collected that were definitely the shields, for example, like yeah. why would, why would these protesters come with shields unless they were going to start some shit? You know, it's like, well, actually this is what they, this is what they miss. It actually begets a different question, which is why they feel the need to bring shields again, defensive weapons. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, it's just like you, at least as a black person, you expect that kind of aggression from the police in terms of just escalating things that don't need to be escalated. And it sort of begs the question as to, well, look, if they're going to do that to everybody, how are you safe in an environment like that? I think that's right. It's a, it's a raw expression of just this, of reinforcing this hierarchy, right? And I think a lot of it for, for police, I would imagine for police is that there's an order that they, it's their purpose, right? To preserve. And yeah. when certain people do certain things that are not within that, right? It's their job in some cases, like, hey, if the speed limit's 35, if someone's going 45, you bring them back to 35 in some yeah. corrective way, right? Either by deterring them or by you know, enforcing and punishing them. But, yeah. you know, that happens in other arenas that are more subtle. I don't know. I'm thinking around, you know, economic status, around where people live, right? There's all these sort of where people go to school, all these enforced social orders that I think increasingly over the past, what, 40, 50 years, I mean, go back to the founding of this country and these things have been shifting. But, you know, I think one of the things that it's panicking, the 
again, the conservative, the status quo type of parties, even to a certain extent, the, the moderate part of the, of the left party in the yep. country, is that this order is shifting, <laughs> that things are, things are moving or there's fluidity. Right. Yeah, you, you know, you definitely see it here. I mean, in Seattle, all of the elected officials are Democrats, right? And it's just like, yo, you're standing with the police, like beating people up. Like they're coming for you too. I don't like, I don't know why you think that like the dude next to your name was going to save you here. But, you know, people can see what's going on in the streets. It's, mm-hmm. and I think that to me has been, been really important. And, you know, things that we've seen for a long time and, you know, not really just through the filter of of tv like people just getting it in real time you can live stream some of this stuff going on it's like wow yeah i mean for me it's it's been it's been cool to see people who otherwise have not been engaged sort of get engaged um you know even just friends and stuff too who have found their voice or you know like you sort of really do see where people stand on on this stuff you know yeah, we were joking that the masks are coming off and yeah. that's the that's the face mask, but also the, you know, like you said, the the politeness, the gloves. Yeah, the no, I mean, it's like you see who's you getting text from and whoever, you know, who's posting what where and it's like, all right. That's how it is. <laughs> yeah. It is it is it is a weird time. It is yeah. a really really weird time. Oh, I'm about to ask you about uh this is also recent. I'm going to ask you about uh, Kamala. Yeah, that Kamala, you know. You, we, spent, some, uh, you spent some time in school in, uh, in, in California, right? You, you, yeah. She was uh, your senator for a time. Pretty wild. I mean, um, it was really funny because before, like when she was running, I was like, well, I don't even really know what her lane is other than she's just trying to be president (laughs) but you know but i think you know i was listening to bomani jones his one of his podcasts and he was like well put it this way like who would biden have had to pick for you to really be like all right i really need to to go back and do my research and see whether or not i'm going to vote you know in that way i mean i think it's good it's good representation for black women uh, so don't get me wrong. Uh, her policies definitely need to be polished in terms of where she stands on a lot of things. And she's got a prosecute, uh, prosecutorial record that she's going to have to answer, I think, for, you know, call it left Twitter to be to come around. And um, but, you know, there's time, there's opportunity for her to to grow and let people see her in a different light. So I'm trying to stay optimistic about it. But, you know, at the same time, it's like you got to don't let don't get don't get fooled by the good press for 48 hours. You know, you just got to yeah. keep there. You know, they represent us. And if they're not going to do it, then, you know, you've you got an obligation, I think, to to speak out on it. I think that's right. There's this really sort of complicated political moment, like you said. I mean, we're talking about the Twitter zone, which people may not understand. But I think, frankly, this stuff has risen to the mainstream now in a lot of ways, at least the arguments and, you know, even catchphrases, right? Like abolish the police. That's something that sort of started in those smaller circles and is now, again, people are talking about this on mainstream media. The presidential candidates are saying this type of stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, there's this tension between, I think obviously people have a candidate that, that they that they support, um, you know, who may not be <laughs> Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, but almost uniformly, those people do not want Donald Trump to be president again. So, you know, I think there's going to be... And to me, that's just fine. Like, you could just say, like, fine, I'll vote for him. Like, he's not my preferred candidate. I don't, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's perfectly fine. You you know, the system is what it is. There's two choices. Yeah. Call it the lesser of two evils or whatever, but it's definitely true. Yeah. I don't need, no need to, to really frame it as anything other than that. I, I guess what I'm getting at more is, especially, you know, again coming up on four years ago, people had that same thing. In fact, that, that's not new either, right? The two-party thing, the, oh, the lesser of two evils. I'm thinking about how we frame this now, and maybe it's starting to happen, but where people are now finally, at least in a place, which I think is, again, more maturity and growth, personally, but also politically, um, in that they can, like you said, say that, and then 
and then engage, right? Because a lot of it has been staying home, you know, like, and I think that's what happened again, definitively in the last election. Yeah. Where turnout was really low. And that's, I think, not a productive way going forward to, for this country politically. We saw yeah. the consequences. And I hope that, you know, this administration serves as a message just to political leaders in general, where if you don't think people are going to get in the street and, you know, raise hell, like they will, you know, and it's on voters, it's on everyday people to stay engaged, right? Like, like you said, it's been this perfect storm where people are mostly at home, they've got time. Um, and obviously it gets complicated when things get started back up again, people have competing obligations, but it's just like, look, this has got to be a priority. You know, we've got to make our voices a priority um, at work, you know, we're not interested in going back to the status quo. We want to be able to say like, look, this, we don't like how things are going. Let's actually fix it. Or let's actually take steps to, to you know, reduce the spending that we do on police, reduce, you know, increase the amount that we spend on social services, education. You know, it's really just a, a reallocation of resources. It's where, where are we going to put our priorities? So, you know, I think we'll we'll definitely get more progress with Biden than Trump, I think, on the issues that I'm interested in, at least. Um, so, right, if it's like uh, my choices are one or the other, it's I'll take the one and then push them from there. You know, it's our, our job to get them to where we want, want them to go. Exactly. You gotta get, it's like hitchhiking, I guess, right? We're, we're going... We're starting yeah. in the middle of the country and one car is going one way and the car is going the other way. It's like, well, are you going to San Diego or Seattle? And it's like, well, I'm going west. And you're like, you know what? I'll figure it out. I'll, you're going to be closer. Yeah, right. If like I, I can't get a Beamer, my choices are between a Prius and a Volkswagen Beetle. Neither of those things are what I want. But if I got to go somewhere and one of them's taking me, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting in that, that car. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be an interesting... Interesting couple of weeks, and I guess we'll we'll see where we're at in in a few months' time. Yeah, man, ninety, well, a little less than ninety days, which is just crazy. I mean, less than ninety days is November. Where is yep. the year gone? Like, you know, obviously, like early quarantine, all that stuff seems like forever ago now. Like Tiger King. Before quarantine, I don't even remember. I'll be yeah. honest. Someone <laughs> someone was saying something that happened in January, and I was like, that was this. Yeah, I honestly had I couldn't remember it, and I usually have a pretty good memory for you know events and things, yeah. and things that I've done. I was there. It's like, oh shoot, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if anyone else is is suffering with that, or I'm just like my days just blend. Like I am really losing the concept of time. Like other than work, which it's just like I know tomorrow I've got a meeting. Like I couldn't tell you what tomorrow is until I you know I don't have any meeting scheduled for that. Then I'm like, oh, it's maybe Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Guess I'll go do something else. Yeah. But yeah, man. I've gotten really into planting, I would say, or not. Oh, planting. yeah? Plants. Well, this is because I think, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have like a, a roof deck, right? You have some, some, mm-hmm. some rooftop real estate to, to, to yeah. practice this on? But just, you know, a little bit adulting, just getting some like real plants. I've actually got some time to take care of them now. So what are they like? What do you learn? What made you want to get into that? Why, are, why plant we so we'd actually like one of our neighbors we we went over to their place and they just had like it was like a forest you know they've mm. got like tons of plants and you know for me it was like you know, if i can keep one plant alive like i feel like i'm doing well so like the first couple obviously didn't go well oh. <laughs> and it was like all right well like just anything like all right if i make an investment in this i want to learn more about you know they're just like animals or people it's like you know you don't give them all the same stuff you don't water them all at the same time they've got different needs Mm. so another thing we did was we named them it was just easier to care about them a little more once they they had a name and a place and really yeah we got them like unique pots and stuff like that too so just other ways to get yourself invested, I think, was just really the the jump that I needed. Right. And then it was just, you know, research. You get sticky notes and 
you've got yourself a schedule for when your plants need water. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the ZZ plant, that's my that's my jam. I'm really into that these days. Well, that's the one that's like impossible to kill. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but so like for us, it's like, all right, we got a bunch of those for precisely that reason. It's like, you can put them sort of anywhere. They can't be, they can't be killed. And then we've got a couple of specialist ones that require okay. a little bit more attention or like more. Plant yeah. food and stuff. What are you? Yeah. Plant food, like some sun, some humidity. Are you like moving these plants? Is it to the level yeah. where you're, oh. Yeah. So like there are a couple that are, you know, I think they have their genus in the rainforest. So it's like, all right, just throw them in the bathroom when you're taking a shower. Wow. Yeah. You're taking plants in and out the shower with you. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Every day? Every day or just sometimes? Um, for, uh, the, so for one of our... Um, one of our plants it's pretty much every day what's it called i'm blanking on it no 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 no. what's its name oh uh shiva okay so like from the league i don't remember that yeah yeah she's the queen she's actually been with us the longest and so that that was the one where like we bought three of them initially and then like went on vacation this is like pre pre pre-quarantine and she was the only one that was surviving when we came back like we went to new york for like the holidays and shit (laughs) (laughs) and i was like fuck like we didn't you know like we didn't put it by the windows like enough sun and so like two of them were dead but then shiva so she's been with us for like close to seven eight months now okay um and like we were just doing stuff wrong at first like she was getting too much sun and not enough um like moisture so we like moved her upstairs to the bathroom and then like was thriving. You know, it's just like, <laughs> unlike kids where you can only have a couple, it's like plants, like, you got like 10 kids. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> like, yo, you're thriving right now, Shima. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got the extra steamy in there for her. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're glistening. The funny, the funny thing is you have a dog too, right? Like you'd think a dog would be but harder and more work, but the way you talk about it, I mean, it sounds like the plants, man, are a challenge. Yeah, I mean, so our dog's challenging for other reasons. <laughs> Not like a ton of skin allergies. Oh, how old is this dog? She's almost two. Okay. Um, but right, it was just like we couldn't figure out what it was. Like we wanted the vet, the vet recommended a different food, like made it worse. Mm. Um, and then, so we recently did just like a food allergy test for her. For a dog? Yeah. That, so that's more like a kid. Jeez. Yeah. She's, she's literally like allergic to everything except maybe turkey and rice. So. A special diet? A special diet for that dog now? Yeah. So we are, I just made her, made her some turkey earlier today. So she's got her, she's got her meals for the rest of the week. Ground turkey and rice, huh? Yep. Um. So yeah, I mean, she's definitely, she's probably, I mean, no disrespect to your listeners with kids, but she, she's a ton of work too. <laughs> I feel like you just can't say that out loud. You know, you know, the mass is coming off. Like, fuck that. Like, dog, dogs can be a lot of work. <laughs> oh, that's crazy, man. Yeah, well, like you said, I mean, I guess babies can't really talk either, but animals even like lesser forms of language and communication, right? So you don't, yeah. it's harder to know what's wrong, what, if anything even is wrong with them. Yeah, you really, you learn new skills definitely, I'm sure. But for us, yeah, same thing. It's like, she's sort of acting out, like what does she need? Like, what does she want? Sometimes it's like, yeah, we'll take her out. She doesn't want to go, but she still actually needs to go. So she's like back at the door, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, I will say, and I've thought about this difference a little bit at like three o'clock in the morning when she's like diarrhea and I've got to like put on my shoes and like go outside. I'm like, I mean, at least for kids, like you get to stay inside. Like, you know, like here, like it rains too. So it's just like, yeah, you got to like put on a jacket. <laughs> like, you know, it's a, it's a commitment for sure. But, you know. Labor of love, right? Labor of love. So, I mean, I'm about to ask you like on your own podcast, what you've been cooking. <laughs> So uh, there's been a little bit of shift. So I actually ran out of flour. Uh, last week, I, I mean, I have a little bit left, but last week I basically uh, finished a 50-pound bag of flour. It took me about two months and change. Yeah, about 50 pounds. 
making a lot of loaves. So I did a lot of practice, made a lot of pizzas. I was making like a pizza okay. a week. Um, and so I've kind of shifted from that, although I did have a great sandwich for dinner um, from bread that I had frozen because this, this fresh stuff freezes really well. So you slice it, you freeze it, and then you can thaw it and usually toast it or grill it. I actually grilled this in butter. Okay. You know, cheese, turkey, little fresh lettuce leaf. But I've recently gotten into uh, the sort of produce box. So it's not a CSA because that's usually, that's the way I understand those, our local ones are too big. Okay. You know, just me. So I'm doing this thing called Misfit Markets, which is a, you, there's two sizes, but I get the smaller of two boxes that last me about two weeks of fresh produce and, you know, fruit. And you can get some other stuff too, like organic type of you know, pantry type stuff. But I've started doing the vegetables, which is good because, you know, I would go to the store and get vegetables, but I would get, you know, either the same ones pretty frequently. So it was a much more narrow range. And so this has been a good way to explore. And it's been a good way to force me to kind of try other stuff. And so last night, I'm getting a new box on Tuesday. Okay. So last night, I was like, shoot, what do I have left? And so I went in the pantry and I found, you know, I had scallions. Again, stuff I would never normally buy unless mm-hmm. I was like making something. I had uh, a carrot. I had uh, a bunch of mushrooms. I had uh, a few, several weeks ago, because it stays fresh for a much longer time. I got ginger root, okay. you know, fresh ginger yeah. root. So basically, I made a stir fry of and I oh I got Fresno chili so I'm like what how am I going to use these well I ended up chopping up a chili and throwing it into the stir fry to make it real hot but you know just different type of stuff and so that was probably one of the better I actually got that right that was one of the better meals I've made from this box that was you know I didn't really follow a recipe aside from the fact that you know the most important thing with that was thinking about the order in which you cook things because some vegetables take longer than others right Right. So, you know, I had, oh, I had chicken that I'd made you know, a night or two before that I'd sort of griddled. So that was you know, something I could chop up and throw in at the end. But, you know, fresh garlic, onions, uh, you know, all that stuff, the aromatics in the oil, and then some of those root vegetables in. And then, you know, I had, oh, I had some leftover green peppers that I tossed in and, you know, in the, in the mushrooms went in last because the mushrooms cook pretty quickly. And, you know, plus I was you know, throwing a little bit of sauce at the end to help uh, you know, add some moisture in sort of simmer a little bit so mm-hmm. that was great i had a bunch of rice that i that I prepped so you know just stir fry over rice there you go a little soy basically a soy ginger you know soy ginger uh stir fry which was a lot of vegetables and some chicken not to say i mean like i feel like at least since i moved to the west coast my vegetable consumption has gone up like <laughs> at least tenfold at least from what I was doing in New York yeah um which is good and so same thing like usually I've been doing my weekday meal is usually just like meat and a vegetable like pretty simple stuff and then earlier in quarantine we do like a slow cooker Sunday Mm. just go get like a you know something's going to take like eight ten hours and just like a little roast yeah yeah so you know we made some made some oxtails like um some short rib it was we're living good but now it's you know it's kind of warm and that food's kind of heavy so. yeah so what do you what do you what dip it into then stay cool uh by the way warm for you is like in the 80s yeah um hotter than you think though i would say okay yeah i don't know what it is but 80 here is warm and then like 90 like it got up to like in the 90s and it was like this felt like 100 degrees on the east coast so i haven't quite figured out the calibration but there's a there's a little bit but and yeah you probably, and you still need a jacket because it might rain <laughs> gotta have one on deck um yeah so we switched to grilling now we like mm. got a grill and you know we like actually made some grilled corn it's actually pretty good okay um you know usually grilled chicken we got an air fryer too so sometimes we'll do the do the quick ass vegetables in the air fryer real quick so what do you do in there what do you make in there is it the basket one or the toaster oven one uh the basket oh man i like i'll do a bunch of stuff like this week real quick i just made some wings so it's like yo i want some wings how long does that take 20 minutes that's crazy to me yeah like the vegetables take like no time at all mm-hmm. so like if you know we're both lawyers 
So it's just like, look, if we, it's already 7.30 and none's been yeah. done yet, like he can still whip up something pretty quick with it. And, and you're thinking in billable hours time frame too. So like, I'm not trying to build exactly. myself for exactly. this while making food. Every, every six minutes is, <laughs> there's another six minutes that I've got to work later on. So <laughs> yeah, the billable thing is crazy. I just, so when I first got to Seattle, again, I was working for the government. It's like, don't need to like track my time at all. I'm leaving work at like 5.15. Like, and like, you know, 5.15 because nobody else is there. Like everyone <laughs> left at like four. So even if I needed something, I'm not getting it until tomorrow if I'm working <laughs> realistically in three or four days. Right. Whereas now it's like, you know. It's, Yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, you know, like it's not unusual to be getting emails even. 11 p.m., 12:30. So you know, you just got to draw the boundaries. That's mm -hmm. really, really what it is. Otherwise, have you gotten? Has that been harder? Because, like you said, you this is not your first job in this industry, mm -hmm. and so you've had, for example, the New York version of this, right? Which is probably even crazier, right? Like, what's the? How have you adapted? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously the pandemics probably brought them a little bit closer into what they are on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, but like New York, you know, the FaceTime thing, like you had to go into the office, you had to dress up in, you know, a suit basically for like shit that I could have just been sitting at home in shorts doing. And now I can just do that, right? Cutting out commuting, like that saves me, again, two billable hours. So mm. I can start earlier. I can take like a bigger break in the middle of the day. Like I'm not fighting, you know, time nearly as much as I felt like I was. And, and and in some ways, if you're just taking the billable hours piece, you're more productive for them in that yeah. way, in that regard, right? right? Like, Which to me, again, I mean, like West Coast has sort of been on that game for, I would say, even like traffic reasons. Just that, like you mm -hmm. lose so much time, LA in particular, mm -hmm. uh, getting to and from work like you can just get stuck in traffic and not make it into the office until 11 o'clock that's wild that's, that's <laughs> wild to me you leave it you leave it a normal time you leave it a yeah. normal time get there hours later and all it takes is one accident one accident on the 405 one accident on the 10 and you're just parked you're just sitting there you run out of gas when that happens i bet you does everyone just like always have a full tank on deck ready to go that and like you know before at least when i was in la gas was like five dollars <laughs> you just burned it just sitting there like you said. yeah just just idling <laughs> ac um, on blast music up yeah, yeah so you know like in new york it'd be like look you could be up till midnight or whatever and it's one thing to do it in the office another thing doing it on your couch mm -hmm. um and then I just think like the expectations are probably a little bit different. A lot of people here have families or like actually care about their families where <laughs> I would say some of the lawyers in New York, it's, uh, I mean, they have families. There's never, <laughs> or they've got, you know, several families, whatever. <laughs> so they got to work so hard, man. You got to put food yeah. on, the, on the tables. Exactly. Yeah. Just like stuff where, um, I, I don't know, I feel like more respected in a way and just in terms of like my my like health and expectations where I don't know that I always felt that way in New York. Like I'd be sick and, you know, actually here's a good example. I mean, like legitimately um, after the George Floyd thing where like I'm getting on a call with this, you know, white partner and like, actually, it's just like, look, you know, before we talk about anything, like, how are you, like, how are you feeling? We're just like, oh, no, no one's ever asked me that, like, at work. Okay. <laughs> how, how much did I catch you by surprise? Like, how, how yeah. much? Like, 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 first of all, can I still bill for this? Like, this <laughs> is the client paying for this session? Because <laughs> Right. You know, and it was just like, yeah, man, like, it, it's challenging. You know, I don't know what to tell you, obviously, but I appreciate you even asking. And then they were really good about just like giving us Fridays off. Like Black Lives Matter was one of our clients. So they had a protest and they like were encouraging people to go. 
and like meant that sincerely, not just staff, mm -hmm. lawyers too. And, you know, so like to me, like, I don't know that I necessarily would have gone to New York. I don't know what it's like now, but I can imagine that it's not nearly as uh, supportive, at least on, on all those fronts. Yeah, I think that that's another, you know, drawing back a little bit, you're talking about, you know, we were talking about Kamala and the sort of uh, how important it is to have, like you said, a black woman in, in that sort of role. And I mean, I think that's been happening in corporate America, right? And the sort of mm -hmm. black CEOs, I think uh, the Lowe's CEO and, uh, you know, there's not that many, right? Unfortunately, but you know, a lot of the oh. black sort of leaders have been trying to, you know, there've been a couple op-eds and, you know, the papers of record and trying to sort of say these things. And, and it makes you wonder, you know, how widely are these things even considered, let alone shared yeah. or endorsed or supported in, in other areas. And I think we saw in the middle of the summer, the marketing campaigns and by the brands and well, what are the brands doing now? You know, a couple months on, or who are the brands donating to for the election season? Like, what are the brands actually doing as opposed to just saying? Yeah, and I would, you know, just add to that too. It's just like, well, it's on the employees to keep them accountable. Like, don't get lulled back in by the statement or the Instagram post or whatever. What are they actually doing? Who are they hiring? And if they're not doing the things that they said that they were going to do, like, yo, just, you got to put them on blast. So again, it's like, I think it's really important that people find their voice um, and not be afraid to speak up. Cause you know, again, it's just like, there are always risks, like it may not always work, but um, you know, you're just perpetuating sort of the same thing you claim to be fighting against. And I feel like we've been given somewhat of an invitation to to be more vocal about it. So, uh, you know, it's use it or lose it. Say, don't let a don't let a crisis go to waste. You and uh, a political strategist saying that same thing. But although you make a good point, though, right? I mean, I think there are examples where you look at someone, Colin Kaepernick, right? The, the example of someone who years ago took a knee against police brutality. His own league, essentially, at, at best, turned their back on him at worst was complicit in prohibiting him from ending his career. Mm -hmm. And and then now it's weird how in retrospect the lionization starts to happen, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, he still lost you know, money, certainly financial opportunities. He lost competitive opportunities. You know, he, he wanted to win. He, he cared about that game. And, you know, reputationally, you know, he was, he was not, he was not a hero in that moment to, to many people. No. And now there's some payoff, but you know, whether he, he didn't do it for this moment, for this payoff, he did it for, to do what was right, but it still makes you, for a lot of people, it's hard to do that. It's hard to give up a lot of things when they have a mortgage or a family, yeah. or, you know, like you said, it's hard to turn around and blast your employer and then expect them. And I think that's a fair expectation. The employers have to pay you to blast them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, totally. But I mean, again, if it like, if you want feedback, I'm, I will take you to task. I will come with the evidence. I'd be like, look, how many how many people have you promoted to partner that were people of color? Those are these are just you know these are numbers. Like your action, you know, your actions say one thing, your words say something else. Why is there this disconnect? Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a fair that you know that's a fair question to just ask without you know sort of spouting off and just saying things for the sake of saying them. Yeah. Again, I mean, I think Princeton, again, great example of Johnny come lately. They had an opportunity to address Woodrow Wilson. And then it wasn't until George Floyd that all, all of a sudden now we've got <laughs> we've got time and, you know, energy to say more. Like, become became the right thing to do. Yeah, right. It's just like, and, and necessary thing, because maybe it was always right. But, you know. Yeah. And so to me, it's just like, look, I mean, and people did like people did speak up and you may not see the payoffs immediately. But again, like I would say now that people will look at Colin Kaepernick in a much better light and probably a fairer light than he, you know, he was looked at yeah. before. Well, the majority of public opinion was against Martin Luther King Jr. when he marched. People forget that stuff. You know, don't let them whitewash this. <laughs> The, the FBI wished everyone a happy Martin Luther King Day. <laughs> <laughs>
still no love for Malcolm X, though. Oh, uh, weird. Still none. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. I mean, again, if if you don't speak up, you you are sort of complicit. We do see a lot of signs, and I think it's been, you know, not to say that people don't get it or white white folks don't get it, but it is. It's like, look, you you've got the biggest platform. Like, you, you know, for better or for worse, like we need you to also stand up also promote the ideas and opinions of people of color, um, not just for your own sake, but because, you know, like you're saying, it is the right thing to do. And we are seeing, you know, people who have things to lose sort of try to toe the, toe the company line to say, you know, sort of say, but I don't know, to me, it was just like, look, I, I got to look at my myself in the morning and, and live with my choices and so for me it was look I will get out there I will march like I'm not gonna like you know do anything illegal but <laughs> could not just stay silent um I think one of the more powerful demonstrations that we did out there was like actually just laying on the ground like laying in the street for you know eight minutes and 46 seconds and really just seeing like, you know, and we're, we're, we're black guys, right? Like you can do two damn miles in that time. Like, <laughs> and like, just, and then like, no one was on top of, on top of me, but just laying there with my face, like on the pavement, just being like, wow. It, it's, it's uncomfortable for, with nothing, with no one on your back. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's just hard to criticize that sort of movement when it's just like, look, no one should be treated like this regardless mm-hmm. of what they look like regardless of what they believe in this is inhumane and we just need to be able to say that mm-hmm. and if the structures that be are saying the opposite then maybe maybe that's the problem yeah you know rather than fighting each other i don't know I, one of the things um that i've so UCLA does like these, I'll call them like TED Talks, but like they'll do these panels, um, law school on sort of race and, and various things. So I, I listened to one of those um, maybe in like the last month or so. And they, one of the professors brought up a really good point just in terms of like, look, first step is just truth and reconciliation. Like we can't move forward until we, can can just like you know accept responsibility for for what we've created we've created this military state we've created you know excessive policing uh, mass incarceration you know you can just say that these were not the right thing to do and we can move forward from that you know i think that's really what people are looking for is just you know just say this was wrong and like let's work towards making this more equitable. I think you're right. The truth part is hard. Although on uh, certainly in the progressive wing, it's, as I said, seeping into the, the mainstream vernacular. The reconciliation piece is also really hard because something, it seems to me at least, that we're really paralyzed by is this idea that things, not only is there, I think, a strong comfort with the status quo, but there's this real paralysis around doing something different. Like what else? Like if we don't have police, well, then what will happen, right? Like this un- inability to imagine an alternative to the carceral state or, you know, massive uh, economic inequality, right? Like capitalism writ large, there's no ability to mm-hmm. conceive of other ways, right? There's no other possible way apparently that we can live, even though, you know, there are, we've lived different ways in our own history as a nation. You know, for example, tax rates, right? used to be different and, and the yeah. country was fine. You know, other countries are doing this type of thing. Like, there's there's other ways we could do it. It's just apparently where our imagination is captured. Yeah, um, crazy. Just nationalism too. You know, like America gets caught up in its own narrative of how how great it is. You know, so like neither of my parents were born in the U.S. and you know I can recount stories from them about their decision to come to America versus you know, going to England, there were other places that they could have went. Um, and, you know, like one of their very legitimate concerns in the 70s was like, yo, they're fucking hosing black people in the street. <laughs> like, what good is my economic opportunity if, yeah. if I'm going to be subjected to that? Mm-hmm. 
and right, like that's not a new thing. And right, the powers that be are sort of committed to not really doing anything about it. But right, if, if we don't do anything about it, then who are we to complain? It's just like yeah. well, like I said, around the mar around the margins, right? So the yeah, the drone strikes keep happening, for example, but a person ordering them is you know it's crazy how how we as a nation rationalize some of those. Yeah, and so I mean, again, it's just like look, other people like other people who are not in the United States do not find it hard to criticize who we are and the things that we do, and so. I always try to challenge myself and and you know those around me just like look like you can just say that you don't like something here it doesn't make you any less of a citizen or an american to stand up to what your government's doing i mean that's literally the the entire founding is just people who were just like yo we don't like how how this was but like if you do that now you're a terrorist yeah. <laughs> you know, well, just, well, it's funny you use that example. We've been talking about sports a lot too, but it's like yeah. the same people who can't admit America is wrong for, you know, for example, other acts that commit to other parts of the country are glad to blow up the GM of their favorite team because mm -hmm. he can't build a bullpen, Matt Clintech. You know, like it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Like, yeah. They, and they, they would the say fan, they're passionate. They love it. And you like, yo, I win. want this to be better. I just yeah. want this to be better. There are yeah. ways, tangible ways that we can make this better but instead right like we're just gonna hire we're, you're gonna back the guy who has never built a bullpen in his life right like <laughs> totally just like really bad decision making yeah. all right man well thanks for parts one and two um well, i mean we can just chop this up whenever like, we're not going to be on a podcast that's right we'll bring you back for season two but in the meantime we'll talk before that too yeah 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 appreciate yeah. you brother appreciate your time yeah. And that ends the first part of my conversation with Leaps. We'll pick back up with him in the near future. But in the meantime, I want to thank him for reminding us about the beauty of plants and pets, and the importance of speaking out against injustices, and of course, holding those in power accountable. Take care. We'll talk soon.